0: Please pray with me. Living God, help us so to hear your holy word that we may truly understand, that understanding we may believe and believing we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do through Christ our Lord, amen luke chapter 4. jesus returned to galilee in the power of the spirit and the news about him spread throughout the surrounding region he taught in their synagogues and was glorified by everyone then jesus came to nazareth where he had been brought up as was his custom he entered the synagogue on the sabbath And when he stood up to read, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, returned it to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began by saying, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. So good morning this morning at North Point we're going to continue our series looking at the beginnings and the start of Jesus's ministry in the Gospels uh, during this season where we focus as a community on the work of Christ and his ministry. So this text out of Luke um, is the beginning of his ministry, of public ministry. Last week we covered earlier, we talked about Uh, Jesus' first miracle, the miracle of changing water into wine in Cana in Galilee. Now this is following on with that. So his mission thus far is moving into a new phase at this point, and he's back in his hometown of Galilee. And so we're going to see that this, uh, this scripture that he read is really, I understand it to be Jesus' mandate, his commissioning of what his mission is, and it's the mission of the Messiah, and it's the mission to announce the beginning of the year of Jubilee, of which we are still in. So as, a, uh, as we actually think about Kyle, who was uh, commissioned or had finished his uh, examinations yesterday, one of the questions often in Presbytery is, what's the difference between a committee and a commission? Well, a committee is a group of people who come together over an issue to make a decision for a recommendation to somebody else who is going to act on it. But a commission, a commission is different. A commission is is considering an issue and this group or this person has the power to act on it. And so this is Jesus' commissioning. It's not just a committee. This is, he's saying, I'm going to do this. So this is his commission and we're going to see that it's not just his commission. It's the disciples' commission and it's our commission as a church. But we'll have to wait for that one until the next series. But So to set the scene, we've got Jesus, who's just finished his time of fasting and prayer in the desert. He's been tested uh, by Satan. He has passed those tests. He is in a new way, full of the Spirit. And it makes that very clear. He's moving at the direction of his Father, as he has been through his whole life, but at the, at, at the direction of the Spirit. And he's begun teaching already in this area, his home area of Galilee, and he's gotten to his home synagogue, and so the gathering of Jews who are coming together for, on the Sabbath to, to discuss and to hear scripture read and discuss it, and so he's probably around 30 years old, he's obviously single, but he is now, he has actually this, the way he uh, works together what he reads shows that he's also a very educated person by this time, well we knew that at age 12 he was in the temple he was uh so uh, thoughtful and reflective about the scriptures that he was baffling the 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 older religious teachers in the temple at the time they were amazed at his wisdom so he had a handling of scripture that is very was very good so what the when he picks out this scroll or begins i don't know if it was exactly the one that was scheduled for that day or not but in god's providence it was and here it is he turns to the scroll and he opens a part of it to isaiah 61 at least that's not all that he spoke of but he starts with isaiah 61 and he reads from it as maggie read The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he sat down. So actually within that verse, that isn't just one, a couple of verses from Isaiah 61. He actually interwove into it several other verses from Isaiah, going back to Isaiah 42 and Isaiah 58 and what he's tying together is all one theme pointing to one person and one role, one work of a person who was going to come and that was known as the Messiah, the Christ, the one who would come to fulfill these things. They were promises given to Israel at that time and foreshadowing one who would also come in in physical form to fulfill these things. And so the shock of the audience is that he sits down and he says, This is fulfilled in your hearing today. Today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. And he actually stopped his reading before he got to the last line that they probably would have really loved to hear because it was the ha, aha, gotcha, they we're going to get revenge. It's the last verse of. Verse 61 one two, the last part of it says, "In the day of vengeance of our God. So it talks about vengeance, but he didn't read that. So it may have been why they were so amazed, looking at him intently waiting for him to finish the good news that there's going to be vengeance. But before we get to that, I want to, and I do a lot of teaching, um, doing, talking about transformational development, international development work, which is what we did in Afghanistan for years. And I do classes on this, and I talk to students who are interested in doing, using their careers, their, their training, their education in a holistic way that, that also Im, uh, makes an impact with the gospel. And so this week, actually on Friday, I had a, a phone call from a guy that I had been talking to uh, on a Zoom call who was an engineer uh, months ago, and he called me because he wanted to know about Afghanistan. He said, hey, can I use my skills as an engineer in, in glorifying God in this way you know, basically he was asking me, you know, can I integrate the sort of the verbal proclamation of the gospel and and what I'm helping people with physically? And I said, well, of course, <laughs> that's what we did for years. And and then I went back and I looked at this verse, these verses that we just read to say and say, this is what was Jesus's mission and his commission to do. It's an integrated, holistic approach to understanding of ministry because as we look at these verses, and, and when I teach this I, to other, other lessons that I do in development, I use these same verses and I talk about it and say, as I read these verses, what Jesus says and quotes from Isaiah, tell me, are they just spiritual impact or are they also physical? And I start with, he has proclaimed, he talks about proclaiming good news to the poor. So which poor is he talking about? Is he talking about the spiritual poor, as in the Beatitudes? Jesus you know, said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. But to the Israelites, this was probably the, the ones in captivity where this was, was originally given to, they were economically probably disadvantaged, we'll say at least. And so when the Messiah was come, he was gonna help improve their economic situation. But is it just economic or is it, which poor is he talking about? Well, actually I'd say both. The spiritually poor, emotionally poor, socially disadvantaged. So poor is a very comprehensive term and so then we look at the freedom to the prisoners, this promise that he's going to do that. So is he literally going to come around and unlock prison doors? Well, is that, or has that also got a spiritual component? Well, to the Israelites who are in captivity, they were going to get released from their captivity and go back to their homeland. So there was a physical component, but there was also the, what about the Messiah? He's going to, as we see in the life of Christ, he's going to release the prisoners from the bondage of sin. That's a spiritual aspect. So it's holistic, though. So it's got both, double fulfillment. Recovery of sight to the blind. Now, this is a hard one because uh, I don't know what Isaiah was talking about when the Israelites were in captivity, except that maybe they were not—they were without much prophecy, without much guidance and vision. So when he gave a promise that they were going to be give sight to the blind, was it their own spiritual insight or leading as a community? But then we see... When Jesus fulfills this, he literally gives sight to the blind. Now, ironically, or interestingly, it, would, it was like six years into our ministry in Afghanistan working with the eye hospital that I kind of put two and two together and say, oh, this is kind of what I'm doing. I'm giving sight to the blind. I'm not doing it directly, but I'm helping create hospitals and clinics and working with Afghan eye doctors who do around you know, 20 or 30,000 sight saving surgeries per year. I'm fulfilling actually in this holistic way and in the spiritual way, helping give sight to the blind physically and guiding them spiritually as well. So it was both. And then what about setting the oppressed free? So to the Israelites at the time they would have been uh, getting political freedom. That was one of their hopes. They would get out of captivity and have their own land and their own politics. But oppression isn't just political oppression though. That is very real. And it can be spiritual. What about when a demonic oppression on people or emotional, addic- uh, emotional oppression, addictions? All these things have both spiritual and physical components, so these promises that, that he claimed as his mission were going to be holistic in what he was going to do. And so no wonder why there was time, at the time of Christ's coming, there was uh, his there was confusion among the Israelites as to what kind of Messiah would this be? Would it be a general? Would it be a politician? Would it be like a prophet like Moses or, or, or uh, Elijah? Was he gonna be somebody who was um, a great teacher? So, or was it gonna be all of those things? And so the last line that he gets to is that he says, and this is, is going to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, which is pointing to something called the Jubilee reference back in Leviticus but before I get to that I want you to see that Christ fulfilled all these things all these things in his ministry of his time and he left it as a model for us as well so because when actually and 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 I told my friend that I talked to but the engineer on the phone the other day I said you know starting with things physically is often the best voice that we have People hear with their eyes before they hear with their ears. They hear with their eyes before they hear with their ears, meaning they see what you do, and then they listen to your words, and they put, oh, okay, he really means what he's saying. His words have meaning because I actually did the thing that I was, said I was going to do. Or they see what you're doing physically, helping people. That means they actually understand when your words coincide with that, and they sync together, then belief. Often can follow, so Jesus didn't just claim the title of Messiah. He didn't just say, "I am the Messiah." He actually did the work of the Messiah first. So when John the Baptist is in, in jail, he is probably having some 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 doubts or some uh, a crisis, and he sends two of his own disciples to Jesus and asks them, "Are you?" And this is from Luke seven nineteen to twenty two. Uh, I'll pick up at 20. When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Meaning the Messiah, are you the Messiah? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. He fulfilled those things without having to say, I am the Messiah. Actually, I was thinking, uh, reading through John 4, and I've preached on that many times, it's the first time I think in in maybe in the the context that Jesus reveals with those words, I am claiming that he is the Messiah, and he says it to a Samaritan woman at the well in John 4 he he adopts he takes that title on himself but mostly he was doing the things in the messiah that would then cause people to come to the same conclusion that he is the messiah so those are the things that Jesus was doing that's his commissioning that's his mission to do these things to fulfill not just the role of the messiah but that, or to not just to say he was just a person fulfilling these things, but it is the Lord himself doing these things. Who could do these things except God? That's the conclusion of much of the ministry and the interactions Jesus has from out of the mouths of the Pharisees who say, who could forgive sin except God alone? Oh, he must be God. So not that they believed it, but that was the conclusion that only a Messiah, who is God, could do all these things, and so lastly, Jesus ends with the the verses that refer to the Viticus twenty-five, where it's referencing the year of jubilee. There was a time and a cycle of the people of Israel that they, for every uh, after forty-nine years, the fiftieth year, they would, they were supposed to, as a community, as God's community of people, they were supposed to go back to the way things were, push the restart button. Uh, slave, uh, there were, the land would revert back to the original owners, uh, debts would be canceled, uh, slaves or indentured servants would be freed, um, the land even itself was supposed to lay fallow. There would be this year of celebration of of jubilee that everybody gets a restart. We get to start from scratch again, and whether they did it completely or even in part, we don't know, but there's a Jubilee that's this year of Jubilee that this Isaiah prophecy is talking about and that Jesus connects and he says this Is now the year of the Lord's favor Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, which would have been a shock To say okay So it leaves at this and you'll have to get come back next week to hear the the rest of the the preaching on What happens after that, but he leaves him with this this impactful moment saying, the year of the Lord's favor is now. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, all these things are gonna happen. Basically, he's announcing that the kingdom has begun to break in, that Isaiah prophesied, this year of Jubilee, it's now. It's not. You don't have to wait for it anymore. And there's an inherent call to the people who are in the synagogue and to us today still, as we hear this, is to respond this is the day of the lord's salvation we are still in today we are still in the year of the lord's favor in that the doors of heaven are open through christ that we have access and the kingdom of god has begun to come into this world and is being is breaking in even as we speak even through what we do through, through not just what he did but he is doing through us by the spirit in the church to the community around us, into this world. The kingdom has come. The year of shalom, that holistic sense of everything is going to become right again. We're moving towards that. Shalom being this this Jewish word, and I'm not the Hebrew expert, but I know enough to know that it means a holistic balance of of right relationship with God, right relationship with people, right relationship with yourself, right relationship with the creation around you. You're in harmony, you're at peace again, not just end of violence peace, but a a complete wellness, a wellness. He's here to begin that that process of bringing healing thats gonna gonna culminate when we get to that complete God's kingdom in heaven has come to earth we're not there yet, but the, 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 the year of shalom, the year of peace, the, the, year of the time of healing has begun. And there's freedom from bondage, there's freedom from captivity, there's freedom from oppression, spiritually, demonically, as well as the healing has begun, and yet it isn't completed. We're still living in that time where it's still coming. But this day is still here. It's still the year of the Lord's favor. We are in that age. And so the response that Jesus wanted from the congregation in the synagogue at Nazareth is the same one he's asking for us to do, for us to do. And that's come, come in belief, come to worship, come to follow, come to do what he did. And so that's his commissioning at some point becomes our commissioning. He wanted his, the people of his synagogue to recognize who he was and to follow. Not always just physically, as the disciples did, but to believe. Come in belief. And so that's, that's my main challenge in your action point, is to come. Come in faith. Come in belief. Come and follow in what he's calling you to do. And know that your calling and who he has made you is included within that come. You bring your gifts, your talents, your, your education, who you are every single person in this church who were online that was hearing me, your calling, your occupation is included in this process of what he's calling the church. He said his mission to do is to bring healing and yours is too in in a referential way. And I can give you the example. We are in the time of Corona, sadly, the COVID virus. And a year ago or so when it began to happen, Many of us were praying around the world, but I remember specifically praying, God, would you empower scientists, biologists, physicists, chemists, all these people who, public health specialists, to understand and use the knowledge you've given them to solve this issue, this bring healing to this crisis of a virus that is causing death around the world. That's a kind of healing that God did answer, and He used all the skills of those who created microscopes, who discovered uh, the physical uh, physics that, that govern the things, the biology, the, the chemistry that was involved, the, even the paper that goes on the labels of the vaccination vials that label it so we know which, what kind it is. All this is part of God's using the gifts He's given to bring Him glory and through just that one example to bring healing and may may that healing continue to come. So his commission was comprehensive and holistic and so is ours as his people, as his followers. So the kingdom of God is broken in. We come to him because God has come to us. We come because the kingdom of God has come and is already breaking in. We come because we need healing. And he wants us to be involved in that healing. We come now because he's coming back again. And there would be no time at that time to come. It's too late. So my challenge to you is still this, to come. Come for healing. Come celebrate. Come rejoice. Come with all you have because the kingdom of God has come. We are in the day, in the year of the Lord's favor. And it is time to come. So let's pray. Lord, I do want to come to you in faith. We've come to you for forgiveness. We've come f- we need healing. We come with our gifts of who we are as people, as our education, our backgrounds. We are not far physically, but we are often far spiritually from you. So we come in that way too. Lord, come and meet us. You have already come to us. We come to you. Come, make this week a week of worship and healing in whatever we do, that we glorify you, that we rejoice and we celebrate that we are in the kingdom and the kingdom has come and it's still more to come. Lord, we bring this to you and ask for your favor on us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.